Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. This is Austin Lenny with Construct Your Life. I've got Mr. Spencer in the house. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Austin. This is uh, quite, the, quite the honor, quite the <laughs> excitement for me to talk about stuff that's near and dear to my heart. So thank you for having me. Yeah, I love it. You know, uh, I, 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 I didn't tell you this, but my joke, I just saw a guy the other day. I was hanging out with the Jake and Gino guys in uh, Knoxville. I ran into some of the students because I know Mike. And uh, I was joking around that, like, in order to be in multifamily these days, you have to be an engineer. You have to be an ex-engineer. Like, that's the joke. You know, it's like engineer, you know. And so, like, you had a bit of a different background getting into real estate and you do a couple things. So, you know, let the audience kind of share your story and how you got started. Yeah, you know, and I'm excited for some twists and turns that we'll talk about here because I know we both had our, had our time and I still have my, my primary focus in real estate. But there was a whole life lived before that. Um, and, and, a, and a big life around that now. And so I'm sitting out here in Silicon Valley. Um, you know, that's the big way of saying, uh, you know, Northern California, I'm in Alameda. It's like an island right between Oakland, San Francisco for folks who aren't familiar with that area. Um, born and raised in this kind of region. Lived in Colorado for about 10 years or so. So I'm not totally delusional Californian who's never left and thinks it's the center of the universe, uh, as we talked about beforehand, Austin. Um, but I think right now, um, I just feel very, fortunate. And, and the reason for that is because I wake up every day and I get to focus on the number one pri- priority in my life, which is, you know, number one, being a great, you know, dad uh, to our two young boys who are eight and four and being a good husband to, to my spouse, better half who's also the COO of, of our company, Madison Investing. Um, you know, it's a real estate, uh, private real estate company. We help uh, investors participate in private deals and multifamily and self-storage and all that stuff. But Prior to that, I was in leadership roles in fintech companies and software companies in Silicon Valley for 13 years. Uh, did five different companies back to back. And that was a pretty weird experience, um, a wonderful one, a challenging one uh, for a guy who played in a bunch of punk rock and metal bands growing up and really didn't find finance that interesting at all. And so, you know, my, my dad grew, uh, my, my dad scaled an incredibly successful um, real estate business as a broker um, in the real in the in real estate residential real estate in the Bay Area growing up, and so in the '90s, I mean, he was in the top five in the country for a period of time. It was a very comfortable lifestyle for our family, but you know, he was putting me to work. Um, I, I had to do open houses for you know, <laughs> which I didn't want to do, um, and uh, you know, as a teenager, that's not the thing you want to spend your time on. It's also not cool to tell your friends that all want to work at tech companies and do the next big piece of uh, impressive life-changing technology that you're going to work in real estate. So I ran screaming away from all that into this career within uh, Silicon Valley companies. And I got to say, like in hindsight, um, my goodness, I I never thought I'd be sitting here running like a private equity real estate company uh, and and doing that full-time in addition to finding this stuff inherently exciting and talking about these nerdy concepts of, you know, building wealth and, you know, financial freedom and all these things that are second nature to you and I, but I have to call this out up front. Um, You know, one of the key kind of guiding lessons 
that I took away from that early experience, like in, in our family, without going too far into it, unless you want to take it there. I know that we, uh, from your style and other podcasts, you, mm-hmm. you get pretty, pretty real and pretty raw, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. It's very much my speed, Austin. Um, you know, my family went through like a dark decade period of time. And that's largely because like lost a younger brother to cancer. This is a long time ago. Um, parents got divorced as a result, which is very common in those situations. My dad's business uh, imploded, you know, for a variety of reasons around that lifestyle got downgraded as a family, really just brutally challenging time, lost like a set of grandparents in a car crash the year after. It was just like one after the other. And, um, you know, in hindsight, like I look at the lessons learned and impressions made on me and, and we all have a choice as to how hardship uh, affects us and, and the lessons we take from it. And now I just look back with a sense of inspiration from, you know, people that I've lost. And, and also, frankly, lessons learned from watching my dad's business take that hit. You know, that was the one source of income that our family had. Um, and when you have one source of active income, uh, slow down to a, a standstill, uh, at, you know, and you have a comfortable lifestyle, that's, that, that's not good. Uh, it's just, you know, understatement of the year. Um, but, but it's now as a dad, you know, running, running our own, our business alongside Jennifer and also trying to impart these lessons and just de-risk our lifestyle as best as I can. As a guy who walked away from my W2 career in 2019, five months before COVID, um, before the great resignation became kind of trendy, uh, you know, that was a decision that we felt great about at the time because we had spent so much time and hard work building that mode around our family, building that mode around our business. And now I still carve out a little bit of time to play some guitar and try to hack it up like I'm some kind of uh, retired, you know, rock star, but which I am not. The only people I perform for now are our kids and I play wheels on the bus. So um, anyways, that's kind of my my story in a nutshell. But uh, yeah. <laughs> One of the things I found about, I've interviewed a couple of real estate guys that spent some time in Silicon Valley. And I think this is something that that's not talked about enough because he, he remembers sleeping on a couch there was like five different companies that were being built like in the house they were in. And there's something to be said for environment of standards and in, in like dreams. And what I mean by that is like, you know, you call Silicon Valley, whatever you want, but they are a group of kind of FU trend buckers, but they don't, they believe that anything's possible. Like that's, you know, and so you can't help, but let that intoxicate your soul. Mm. And so no matter when you leave that environment, it's still implanted in you. And the number one thing that I see that disheartens me with people and my clients that I see is when they think that their dreams can be obtained. Mm. And so I wonder if, you know, because here's what probably happened. You say, okay, I put all this work in. I've set myself up for success. I leave my this great job five months before COVID and then COVID happens. And I guarantee you there was a moment or time where you go, holy shit, what did I do? And every person, every person that's walked out and had that moment, regardless of how well ready they were. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I wonder if some of that kind of cowboy dream attitude was kind of a little bit of the backbone that allowed you to say like, no, 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 we did. We plan this out. This was the right thing. Let's let's go out and see this through. And I would imagine that if you're sitting here today, you know, there's a lot of yourself that you have to thank for kind of sticking with it and this great life that you created. 
hundred percent. Yeah. And I think you are spot on Austin, which is like the environment of entrepreneurship. I didn't know how to put a label to it, frankly. Like, I, you know, we talk about that and I use that with such clarity now as to what does it mean? Like what was an environment of entrepreneurship? I think of that as just people who are willing to go and fail relentlessly, mm-hmm. you know, and, and understand that failure is not inherently a bad thing. It just means it, it is a part of the process. It's, it, it's a part of the process and it is entirely decoupled from your self-worth, you know? And, and I think that that, uh, thankfully, you know, I, I am a guy who largely came from roles in, uh, management leadership seats. And so reluctantly, I mean, I, I'm, I'm an introvert, as I mentioned up front, and that's not just something that people say conveniently, like a small talk at a party, like, oh yeah, I'm also an introvert. And you're like, no, you're not, man. It's like, no, I, I am the guy who needs to take breaks at a conference. I have to go find a quiet spot. I got to recharge. I can't do, you know, I can go speak in front of hundreds of people, but I can't do that every day. And I can't mm-hmm. do, I probably couldn't be a podcast host such as yourself. Also, I, I just don't have that um, stamina, but I bring that up because I think if you look at like truly where do people get hung up on this whole notion of like pushing forward and like trying to leave their day job, they've like fought tooth and nail to get promoted into, you know, like where do they stop? It's because they just, it sounds so corny, but they don't literally believe that they can go do anything besides the thing that they've been doing for a long period of time. And I thought that too, until like I had mentors surround me that uh, believed in me enough you know, that, that saw that stuff in me um, and kept telling me over and over, like, dude, you can do this. It's okay. If you fuck up, just, just, just keep going and do it. Sorry. I, I just, no, 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 you're good. I'd say 50 times on a podcast. I have a great friend who's a doctor and a coach. And to your statement there, she said the statement to me that changed my life. She said, when I got divorced, I didn't love myself enough to change, but I borrowed the belief in my daughters long enough their belief in me long enough till I believed it in myself. Yeah. And what happened to you happened to me. I joined yeah. a mastermind. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I had like two Airbnbs, but I was excited and I was adding value. And like, I talked to like 92 people in like three months, no BS. This is a true story. And I literally like was talking to everybody trying to add value. Wasn't needing anything. These are guys that had 3,500 Airbnbs, 3000 units. And they were like, Hey kid, like, we don't know, like I was still drinking at the time. So I was like all over the place, but he was, was like, we don't know what this is, but like you have something and it's so effortlessly like, keep, like, keep pushing towards this. Hmm. And so it was like, it was loose. It was awkward. It was like what I call messy action. Like, it was just like, I'm just going to, you know, I read a book recently called Blitzscaling. Like j- just, I'm just going to go in and figure, and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to take six months and I'm going to stand back and I'm go, okay what worked did what didn't work put it away like i blew up my life like nine times right like destroyed it like got divorced laid off from private equity and started a podcast in the same 10 day span oh, like wow. for, for covid and then <laughs> and then got in the car to drive to austin and drove to california oh, and man. spent a week in the desert by myself so like this has been a cultivation of a of a thing but what but what keeps us what holds us back is is labels right mm-hmm. i am the management person for this company and that is my self-worth i am a real estate investor i am a salesman i i only sell this product and what i try to get everybody around me to understand is your skills they transfer in different sectors 
And just because that's where you're comfortable, like I have a girl who works for us. She's our project manager. You know what she asked me? I want to do anything that's not real estate. I'll do anything. I've literally spent the last eight years working for a brokerage. No offense to real estate, but I want to do anything different. So you know what we did? We threw her in project managing for a crypto company. And she's like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I love it all. You know, like I love it all the same because it's people. It's people and she can do what she does. And it's like, but nobody's willing to even take that opportunity to step outside the label that, that either they've created for themselves, the society or the community has created for themselves. Oh yeah. I mean, there's some of these tangible things too, that we all get drawn to, right? It's not like a moth to a flame, which is title, job title, of course, you know, like one of those kind of tangible things that we all chase. And I was chasing that too. I think about, um, you know, I don't didn't used to bring this up because I wasn't sure if it was interesting to folks, but apparently folks are like, man, you got to tell people more, tell people this more often because it's helpful. Um, you know, at 26, might have been 27, uh, I was kind of thrust into this role of like managing a scope of, of leading a team of over like 200 people um, in Colorado. And I was so far over my skis, man. Um and I, cause I was excited by the title, excited by getting senior in front of my name and, you know, eventually director stuff in the career. And like, at the time it mattered so much to me to get that title. And in like, I could tell other people like, Oh, you know what? I don't care about it that much. But in reality, it's like, well, then why did it work so hard to get it? And in, in hindsight now take like a person's LinkedIn title. I'm using a very nerdy, tangible thing as, as an example as well go to a coworker and you say, you know what? And they're working full time. And you can say, you know, you, it's not just you. It's, 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 you got to understand you're a professional beyond that company and that role that you've posted out on the internet. You're it's, there's something beyond that, that label. And so eventually over time for me personally, looking back on that now, I feel so silly. Um, I feel so silly for chasing after that, but I had to go through that first and everyone has to go through that first. And I, I think that, um, it, it's a privilege to be able to sit in a place where I, I can sit, I could look back with a, you know, clear, clear view on those decisions and putting such a price, such a high price and premium on something so topical, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, well, now if I, now I know the lesson is like, if you want a big fancy title, go on your state's website, create an LLC and you're a CEO. So, you know, suddenly it's, congratulations, you're, you've got the highest not yeah. in the company. You're good. Yeah. No, no. It was funny. It's all the companies that we consult with. Nobody wants the CEO title. No, they don't want it. We've actually it's changed. <laughs> we've actually changed the names in our company. So I'm I'm chief energy officer, and we have oh, a nice. chief health officer, and then we have a chief business building officer, like my trio of my business partners. And like we just don't like it. Doesn't fucking matter. Like everybody's the CEO of their own life. And I think, and I'm curious for your point of view. The number one issue that I see with my clients, besides all the the personal stuff, is I have to get them to reframe the employee, I work for myself mentality. Man, it is like, I, I months, I'm like months trying to get them to get out of it. Well, I don't want to fail. I can't do this. I said, I told my uh, one of the people that were partnered up with yesterday in our marketing company, I was like, I need you to fail a hundred times. If you fail a hundred times, we become millionaires. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. And I'm like, and I was like, she's like, I'm just so used to having like being like yelled at for every time I do it, make a mistake. And I'm like, no, that's not like, I want messy. Yeah. It's almost, 
it, I mean, it, it does make me feel about um, redefining. I was just talking about talking to Jennifer, um, my wife and kind of co-founder about this topic of productivity um, and, and why it is. And this might sound dry, but it's honestly one of the most important concepts I think people wrestle with. And it's exactly related to what you just asked about, Austin, which is we all are just trained to tie our value, our self-worth to our app, to our productivity as defined by how much stuff I do, um, how much hours I work. The most corporate possible lingo I could throw to that is optics. Um, am I seen working? Am I on my Zoom meeting looking like I'm paying attention? Um, you know, of course, we all know rationally it has nothing to do with actually adding value in the world for how many hours that we've worked. Um, it has nothing to do with the, with the job title assigning itself, uh, assigning meaning to us and our value as a professional or a human being for that matter. But man, oh man. Um, when I think about like, here's an example, when I was starting our business and I wasn't even sure it was going to be a business, we were just investing in private placement, real estate. And at first we were buying rentals before we kind of woke up on that three phase journey that everyone seems to stumble through for the most part in real estate, which is like, let me go buy a local rental and overpay for it. Cause I live in California, you know, and then I go out of state, buy a bunch of turnkeys, get up to five properties there, and then eventually get to doing like LP investing in multifamily real estate. And so we started doing that in like 2016. And I'm just thinking, okay, cool. I'm like going to work full time and start investing in these things and we'll build a portfolio and eventually I'll have a lifestyle. I'll be more comfortable, et cetera. But eventually I'm like, wait, this is not fast enough. And Jennifer and I agreed we wanted to accelerate this process. So I go and I start hustling harder than I've ever hustled. And I built like a framework and better goal setting the same stuff I did in my day job in leadership. And I would help other people with as a leader. I was like, why am I not applying this stuff to myself? And, and so I would wake up from 4 a.m. with great consistency, frankly, stuff that I cannot muster right now for the life of me. I don't know how I did this. Um, mm -hmm. at the, like, like legitimately, I, I don't know how I was. Able I, to I know how you did it. It was crazy. The, the need, the need to get your to get the what you seeked, which was the ultimate freedom for your own personal decision, was so great that you ultimately did what was necessary to get there. The difference is, is that ultimately understanding that the difference to get to the next, the next, the next strategic thing has to be for somebody else. It's because you've already right. it for yourself. Yeah, that's right. No, I, I actually think that's uh, surgically spot on. You know, I, I mean, I even think about, I think about my, where my headspace was at 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. That was my time as before, as you could appreciate this, you know, it was before, uh, you know, the world woke up. Um, it was before my kids would come in and, and start just, you know, I love that time, but good Lord, I can't focus. I already have a problem with attention, but like magic time, two hours on myself and on the business. And then the rest of the day to go in and, and inspire and try to lead and be supportive for teams of people that I was trying to serve at my day job. That was a very demanding day job too for like high growth company, right? And so that period of time, oh my goodness, like that was me also simultaneously saying no to three different promotions. Uh, that's not a humble brag. That was just like what I had to do to cap my contribution of hours to my day job in order to then stay within that same run rate of morning and weekend and all my free time. And my hobby was then building the company. And if I wasn't being a dad, I wasn't serving my team at work and I wasn't spending time with Jennifer, which was more limited during that period of time. 
um, then it was just going straight into that business. Um, and I think that saying no to promotions and that corporate style of value um, assignment, you know, value assignment and just like fancy your title. I didn't need more dinners. I didn't, didn't want more networking. You know, I, I, I didn't care about that stuff. And you have to just, I had to shy away from that. I just doubled down on working my ass off. And, and I think that it was this sense of like, I need to get control of my decisioning. And I, I love the visions of other companies. I really do. Like I love inspiring visions. I love boys that are problem working for other people. Um, if they, if I didn't believe in their true North or their products or the company's product or service, but now I'm like, I'm, I'm even further beyond that. And you're, you're probably in a similar spot, which is like, I don't think I could go back. Um, I, I think I, I need to wholeheartedly believe in what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I am the worst employee ever. And and like, the thing is, is that when you walk, you know, I was listening to a guy the other day and he said that, think, think of life like a big stair step. And every time you get to the next step and you stand on the edge of that step and you look to the back of that step, that's going to take you to the next one. Sit there for a minute. Take it in enjoy it, have gratitude. Cause understanding that when you step to the back of that step, that's a whole different person that's going to go. And so when I play golf with my friends and we play with some other investor friends that I respect and love the joke that we have, and apparently this is not my case. So I missed the memo on this, but like, why do you have to scale? Do you have mm -hmm. to scale because the society tells you that you have to grow like I want to grow because I want to create jobs. Like in, in the impact that we want to leave on this world, like we have a 50 year business plan. This is not a joke. Like this will be something that is housing people for a long time, but that's my choice, right? That's that's the decision I've made with myself. But understanding, yes. understanding that each million, each other hundred thousand, each extra project you take on is another piece of you that's pulling apart how much you have, right? And so I've strategically structured my day where I can have the best of both worlds. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean um, I'm not thinking about work, you know, all right. the time. It's just, but I'm a visionary. It's what I do. And, and so like, but I know that there's a time and place and I already know when it's coming, when my business, one of my business partners who was one of my first is going to get out of the military. He's going to be popped in because he's an ops guy. He's going to literally feed me out of the business. I'm going to disappear for like three or four months, six months. I'm going to literally shut it all down. And, and then literally, I told myself at 50, I'm going to look at, you know, my, my whole goal for the rest of my life after 50 is to just teach kids, you know, financial literacy and mindset and then, and then run funds and, and own businesses. But that'll be, a, that'll be a new version of me though. Like, right. but people don't, like they can't, they don't get that yet. And they don't, don't, they don't get that. And I, you know, I had some guy that I really respect, really respect good businessman, family office. He said, I've never met anybody that has such a crystal clear vision of like 80 years old. Like I know exactly oh, 80 years old. Like oh, yeah. I already know, like at 70, 50, like, like I, there's, I spent a lot of time with myself. Like when you get divorced and you're a drug addict and you're an alcoholic, like you've spent some time with yourself, like a lot of time where like, you're looking at the destruction of your life and you're going, how do we get here? You were born for great. And so you spend a lot of time and then you start regaining confidence. And then you start, then, then who you were always meant to be starts showing itself. And then you're like, okay, so 
a good buddy of mine asked me, he said, are you the rocket ship or are you the rocket ship driver? And I was like, Ooh, that's like, I was like, I think I have to be both right now. But at other times I would just want to be the rocket ship later on in my life. And so like, yeah. Right. And so like, I think that I don't, I I really think it's as simple as this. Cause I think your goals are meaningless. That's right. I just don't think, I don't think you've spent enough time actually visioning out to life that you want. Oh man, we're getting into the fun stuff. I mean, I, I really do think that, so this question is so timely. Um, the question of what is enough is the question that like literally has been coming up in our household and also just in frankly friend discussions recently because people out there, the vast majority of people are just still going through an incredibly tough time, you know, all walks of life, right? I mean, and we're talking about like good friends of ours, uh, you know, good, good friends of ours and people around the country and around the world. But I'll just say like, COVID hasn't been kind. You got tumultuous, you know, we got volatility in the equities markets. You got mm-hmm. pick a reason, right? Um, but the question of like, what is enough? And this is going to sound like so, I mean, big caveat for folks, very in tune with how privileged this is going to come across, right? I feel very fortunate to be sitting here comfortably talking with Austin here, like enjoying this conversation, but also sitting in a comfortable, safe place, having good food, you know, safe relationships, good health, all that stuff. So caveat complete. Um, The question of what is enough is different for everybody. And the problem is people are just fucking terrified of it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I I am. If someone isn't terrified by that question, I'd love to hear how you figured that out. Um, because for us, I mean, let's talk about the real estate stuff for a sec, because I think you and I actually very aligned on this, Austin. Um, I didn't know this before our podcast today. And disclaimer, like, this isn't something he and I worked out prior. This is something we're just talking about live. Um, I don't care at all about unit count. I really don't. I don't care yeah. about assets under management. I don't care about that. Um, yeah. I, 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 and some people do it. And, I'm, and that, that this is not a, me passing judgment on that. Um, so all that to say, you know, if someone cares deeply about, you know, maybe riding horses, maybe uh, playing an instrument, I'm a guitar player. So I love playing that, you know, those are things like, that's a thing. Guitar playing fills my cup, spending time with my kids fills my cup. How much wealth, how big does our business have to be to serve our investors excellently? And also be able, so I'm doing something meaningful in the world with my time, scaling this business. But when people say, hey, Spence, how's growth going? How's scaling? I'd be like, hey, it's going great. Because, you know, but, but then the question follows up of, well, how many units, how many, how much assets under management, how much equity raised? And it's like, I mean, I can give you the number, but why do you care? I mean, you know, it, because in the end, I just... I just, I just stopped sharing my shit with like 99% of people. Me too. Like, I just, I just don't like people don't even know what I have going on. Like I have 10 businesses. Like they don't even know. Because I have have equity. I have No, I have equity. And and here's what's crazy. Right. I'm still like not anywhere close. Cause like what people don't understand is like these businesses take a shitload of time to get off the ground. And then, but like understanding that we have one, we have one, um, one goal this year. Like, so literally my business partner, who's the technical guy asked me all the time, like, what are your goals? What do you want the business metrics to be at? And I'm like, if you ever ask me that, I'll never give you the answer. Cause I don't give a fuck. Like, right. and, and like, do you want to know my goal? I'll tell you very simply, I want to retire each one of our wives so they can go run their own businesses. And everybody in the company has a salary. They're safe and secure. 
That's what all I care about. That's once we goal. get once we get there, then we can decide what the next year looks like because the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. I can go out and create income. See, this is the difference what people don't get. And this is where I'll drive this home. When you understand that you are ultimately the creator of everything that you want in life, I'm not talking about creator like God. I'm just saying your energy, your thoughts, your abilities, your actions, understanding that you can rise and fall your income when you're an entrepreneur. Because I could right. easily go out and sell an, uh, an Airbnb course and probably make a million dollars. And I will do something, but it's going to be on my terms when I want to do it. That's right. And too many people, because I coach a couple, let's say I'll use it for an example. Sorry, wholesalers. They're in the wholesale game and they are in the ultimate hamster wheel. And they are so tied to that dollar that comes in every month. They can't get off. I had my buddy text me the other day. I coached him for a long time. He goes, I'm literally about to fire my entire team because I can't get off the hamster wheel. He goes, and I like the number that I see. I like the 200 I see every month, but I am so miserable. He goes, look, I have no more fun in my business. Mm. And, and then I look at my schedule and there's not, I have 45 meetings a week. There's not one thing on my schedule that's not a fuck to the yes. And so like I, that took me two years, three years. It took me a long time to get there. But now that we're there, nobody penetrates that shit. And so like my fiance knows that on Monday I have 15 meetings and she's like, and at seven o'clock when you get off, you're just as excited as you were when you started at six in the morning. Like, you know, and so like, it's that what you were talking about with the guitar and your family, like life is a circle. Like your life as a person is a circle. And the problem that I find most entrepreneurs is they're doing all the stuff that makes them money, but they're not happy Yeah, because they only focus on the thing that makes you money. But like, if you do everything that makes you happy, then you can show up in the places that make you money, more positive, more free, more happy. Oh man. That's, I appreciate you sharing that Austin. I mean, it reminds me of a, this is funny. I'm, I'm like the opposite of a sports guy. You know, I'm a runner, do a lot of running. Um, I go to a trainer, so I try to stay fit, et cetera, but I don't know much about work team sports. I just don't, I, I played a long time ago when I was a kid, but ask me a football question, basketball question, and I'll blow it. Um, but I still like all the leadership principles from the bigger sports guys anyways. And I've read their books because I'm a student of leadership from my prior career, I'm a little rusty now, but I remember it's just so deep in me that I always remember it. And John Wooten, man, he, I think he is the one who gets the credit for the it was the quote and the lesson around life being just a juggling act, right? And it was about juggling all these different facets. You've got income and wealth, you've got family, you've got spirituality and whatever that happens to mean to that individual. Um, you've got all these different facets of life. But the point being is every person, there, no one escapes this reality of everyone's juggling those. And you cannot drop any of them for a sustained period of time at you, any of them. Um, you can, you, you can drop them for a moment, you know, periods of time, but you better pick it up again, mm-hmm. or you've got real, real game ending stuff that's mm-hmm. going to happen in your life. And I believe that to be the challenge, man, like, like that is, that is the ultimate challenge is to feel like you're able to do all that without completely breaking your back to do it every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding that whatever that Venn diagram, if you want to use a Venn diagram instead of how to make all that overlap to the best of your ability, that's going to be different for everybody. But yeah, kudos to you on, on dialing in a day 
it, that is so hard fought. I think that if people like if, if I gone to myself in, I don't know, 10 years ago, I was working full time still clearly like I, I left my full time leadership career in 2019. So I was doing all this entrepreneurship stuff nights and weekends and mornings. But if I had gone to myself and just said, we had this conversation in front of me, I would have said, look at these guys who are full of shit. Um, the, I mean, the, these guys honestly think that like they, they don't have stuff figured out. They're just a bunch of complainers. You know, they have all this autonomy and they have enough wealth to pay for their lives and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, there's not enough discussion in the entrepreneurship and particularly the real estate community about what happens 12 to 18 months after the financial freedom. Mm -hmm. that's the real fucking work folks. Like, because if you go get there, this is not a complaint. This is just a reality. I challenge you to get there. And I look forward to talking about it because three to six months out, go find a person who isn't struggling with working for the sake of working three to six months after complete financial freedom. And you will not find them. They are working themselves into jobs again. Mm -hmm. um, I did that. Other people do that. Some people don't even realize they construct an even more con or a more, uh, I don't know, pick a unbreakable metal analogy, like a titanium hamster wheel that's even stronger than their W-2 career provided them. And they're really good at building those. Mm -hmm. But that is the challenge. And it comes, you can earn that challenge. And I hope most of you get there. It's not a fun one either. It's even harder. It's even harder mm -hmm. than the one of getting free financially and starting a business is you then have to go figure out how do you go out and solve what is enough for yourself? Um, I don't claim to have that figured out, by the way. <laughs> you know, well, I think I think I think what did it for me, what really did it for me as I struggled in my not struggle, yeah, I struggled in my own business that I created. That's like my main business right now. And then I made some money, like some good money, nothing crazy, but some good money. And then it hit me like nothing about me changed. Ah. My lifestyle didn't change. I wasn't extra happier. Like nothing changed. And I go, oh, it doesn't fucking matter. Okay, cool. So right. it's just a, it's just the new norm that I expect this momentum. And like, and and the thing is, is like it's just um, you know, it's so cool to understand that there's other aspects like of you that make you a neat you. And I think the only issue I have in the real estate community is that the flipper is hanging out with other flippers uh, talking about flipping. Yes. And it's like, there's such a bigger, there's, such a, big, there's such a bigger world out there because you're basically just, you're, you're sticking, you're stacking, you're stacking up your own thoughts and you're, and you're, you're, you know, you want to hear the same thing over and over again. And like, the thing is, is like externally, there's always going to be a recession. There's always going to be a market that's down. There's always going to be a market that's up. And, and what it, it's very simple. <laughs> it, it sounds so easy to say, but it's never as bad as it seems. Mm. And it's never as good as it seems. It's yeah. somewhere in the middle. <sighs> Absolutely. Man, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even, um, gosh, you just made me think about that echo chamber dynamic of, you know, we all, like, I love that intense, like if you're inside of a company, you know, and we've experienced this, of course, is like, I mean, particularly when you're working with other companies and coaching through them, you get to, you get to like peer into and have to analyze cultures mm -hmm. uh, and cultures. Oh my goodness. I am so good at pouring other people's Kool-Aid when I, that's my job, you know, plug mm -hmm. me in as a director. You know, that was what I 
did for a few companies. It was like brought in to help turn teams around, have to make very hard decisions about staffing, and then hire more people who are more capable of being down to pour and drink the same Kool-Aid that I was to get this company where it had to go. It's a really hard line of work. Um, and I bring that up because like, ultimately, the real challenge was like figuring out how to make Kool-Aid about our own family and like our own life. It's corny as that sounds. And by the way, folks, I'm not talking about actual drinking Kool-Aid, the drink. I'm talking about like finding a vision or a version of a vision that is something you can stand behind and give your full-throated support to and advocacy. Mm -hmm. That's And that's ultimately for me, Austin, I think like what is coming around and it's, this has taken years. Like I left my W2 back in 2019. And so it's taken more than two years, I think, of being fully focused on this through COVID, which is more just like an epic, challenging, brutal distraction, physically being a parent of young kids through that at the same time. Um, and then figuring out how do you get yourself excited about what you are working on to then go serve other people? Um, sure. That's that's it, man. That's, that's the challenge. Yeah. And I think that if I look at you and I forecast out kind of the next iteration of Spencer, you know, I see you as a high level consultant slash wealth creator to unlock other people's personal freedoms that you've have done in yourself. Oh, I appreciate that. And what I realized as a coach was I have to jump through the fiery door before they do. Yeah. Right. In the moment that I realized that I had to be the one pushed off the ledge first, I literally lost all fear. Like, oh, this is, this is for somebody else. I'm just figuring this out. I'm running ads this way. I'm starting this business this way. Oh, I'm just going to tell my clients how to do it. Oh, I started a podcast. I'm going to help them launch a podcast. As soon as I did that, I was like, oh, I don't care about anything anymore. Right. Every big, scary thing that you just listed out of there, well, unfortunately, it will stop most people dead in their tracks and they will literally never do it because of the crippling fear. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, but I appreciate you saying that. I just have to, I mean, candidly, I will say this. Um, no, you have to You have to take enough time and oxygen in between the last stop to the next stop where you can ultimately take a place in that in that seat where it's completely for you yes. and none of the old feelings are there. And that, that's going to take a little time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also I think uh, one thing I have a deep respect for, candidly, is like uh, we were chatting before we started to record today. Um, and you were just kind of walking me through some aspects that are, are fascinating and exciting about what you're working on in your business. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, frankly, it's impressive, man. I mean, cause you're also you're spanning industries. And one of the things about spanning industries that I think is worthwhile and noteworthy, um, as a guy who hasn't, I haven't done the consultancy for businesses. I've been the in-house badge employee internal view at multiple companies, but I've jumped three industries. And once you've done that enough times, you start to realize that same as that person you brought up earlier, that person who is not very interested in real estate whatsoever. So put them into something else and they'll be very interested in, in it. Mm -hmm. You, you framework the world. You just framework everything. Everything's a framework at that point. And that's not a, that's not cold and dehumanizing. It, it's more just thinking like it's empowering. It's like, I can take on anything subject matter content wise, because now I understand the questions to ask. Yeah. And well, that's, that's it. It's the same concept of understanding that I didn't know that half of my fucking job as a coach was going to be to tell my clients uh, how to be more present as a father and, and, and a husband. Yeah. I don't have kids and I'm divorced. <laughs> like, you know, like you didn't know that, but what it's done is it's, it's taught me to look at something behind the something. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, meaning like, hey, my son feels lost and, you know, he's kind of like fussing because he doesn't know how. I'm like, well, did you feel that way when you were a kid and your father put you, well, yeah, I kind of, well, I wonder why your son feels that way. And it's like, you know, it really doesn't matter what we're selling. It doesn't matter what the business is. It matters that have we tapped into the human reason why you're even here in the first place? Yeah. And and then and then and then letting said employee or founder or CEO or CEO or or salesperson and understanding that if I can get you, if I can teach you how to think, then the game's over. Like you literally we're taught in school, you know, what to think, like memorization and all this stuff. But like all I'm getting you to realize is that your emotions are dictating 90% of how you're acting and your subconscious runs the show after that. That's right. It's the temperament, you know, it's, it's, it's temperament dude. Like I was the most emotional person you've ever met in your life. And I'm still a work in progress, but I, I literally two years ago was like, you got to work on this. You have to not give a fuck. Like yeah. you ha- and so like, we're closing on a couple million dollar properties and we might find out today if the appraisal came in, but like, I just don't give a crap. Yeah. Like how, you know, how you buy a hundred million dollar portfolio. You don't care about the one deal. Yeah. Oh my it's God. Like, you know, like that's it. It's true. I mean, like, I think, uh, God, he's going to be fired up about his, what was this topic? Um, I was debating with someone about the other day and it was about dispassionate, about being dispassionate, um, about the stuff about big, big moments and stress levels, even if it's something that clearly matters to you a lot is like trying to find and control one's ability to be dispassionate when making decisions and, and not letting unnecessary stress get to you. And the answer for me personally, there's two things in my life that have helped me get there. And this is getting a bit more heady into habits. And I, anyone that says they're not related to financial success is crazy. Um, but I've got running and I've also got, frankly, like meditation, not the fancy kind. I, I, I literally am talking about using Headspace, you know, as an app on my phone. Um, those, those things, they, they always bring me back to center on like, these things are happening around me, whether it's a million dollar closing or if it's a, it's a big apartment deal that we're working on, uh, people relying on us. We have LP investors. If there's a deal going through bumps in the road, like during COVID, and it, I mean, when it first started in 2020, March and April, 2020, the ability to label something, that's not you. It's an event, you know, it's just something that's occurring in the world and it's not you. And so I think that we're about to go, I'm going to bring us dangerously closer into the philosophical heady space where I lose people. But I'll just say that for me, that clicked in a big way and habits helped me get back there. But that's why you have to lean into them so much. And I've had to lean into them so much when we're, we have three concurrent deals happening and they're big stakes and there's a ton of investors relying on us and a lot of capital at play. And I just sit there and I'm like, you know what? These events are very serious, but the more emotion I keep attributed to this, the the lower quality my decisions will be. Well, it's it's really odd because as as the as my business continues to go higher and we're getting in headier stuff and, and bigger deals and everything, I'm realizing that all we're really working on right now is putting a moat around the decisions. Yeah. Meaning, meaning protecting the energy of the decision and it's it's less working and more judgment. Yeah, that's right. And understanding and that game, right? Which means like, are you eating good? Are you working out? Are you taking enough time to walk in nature? Because if you're not making the decision from that place, you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of money. 
hundred percent. Yes. I mean, you got to, yeah. you got to remove yourself. You're too close. But, that, but that's also a shifting up the identity of, of not being, not associating working hard with working. Right. Yeah. So that's like the game, right? I, I got to share this one thing because it was, it was given to me by a guy who I'll probably have to give credit to being the most important mentor in my life. And he already knows it. Um, but uh, he's been my boss three times, I think, at different companies. And he's a good friend of mine. But the last time he was my boss in the corporate world before I quit, um, there were, this company was going through a, a lot of change headcount wise at the time. That's a very corporate way of saying, unfortunately, some people had to get let go, I think. Um, and, you know, the message that I heard from him give, and I never heard it this quite this way, and it was so helpful, is that, you know, before someone walks out the door of a company, whether it's willingly or it's by the company's choice, a lot of times they cannot get away from that stress and they can't, they can't see how they fit in this puzzle because they are adopting the company's problems. Mm-hmm. And the moment that someone, any of us, walks out the door as an employee, how much do you think about those companies' problems? <laughs> and they're gone. And, and that really stuck with me. And I wish I had heard that earlier in my career with that phrasing and um, kudos to him for packaging it that way. Um, but I would I just, it. it's huge, man, because That's people so can't even, all the, all the concepts that like you've shared and that, um, that we've talked about so far today, Austin, unfortunately, I think they, they get diminishing returns compared to their full potential until someone is ready to even field that stuff. And the folks that are mm-hmm. really in it, like the crushing, the perceived crushing pressure mm-hmm. of the day-to-day of their jobs and careers, some of which is very tangible and real because it's tied to their only income in their household and they need that paycheck. So I'm not too, too detached from that folks, but I'll just say that that stuff's gone the moment you leave that company. Mm-hmm. If you're a PM, if you're a salesperson, if you got a quota hiding and I've had my quotas plenty of times before. So like, all that stuff, it's gone. So don't borrow p- people's problems. Certainly don't borrow a company's problems. But, but don't, yeah, don't allow other people to inject their values into you or their urgency. Right. Yes, that's right. And yeah. and that that that's just. I, there's the number one thing. Let me tell you something. This is really odd from a guy who's super busy. I cannot stand to be rushed. Like, don't mm-hmm. rush me with your bullshit. Like either you didn't plan properly, like these are big deals. I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to be rushed. That's why I think uh, this real estate market's out of his fucking mind because I, everybody's just, you know, no inspection. Like there's a way to do business and how we've been doing it ain't right. Like there's a process, there's a time. That's why these things are in place. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm working on a Dow you know, to buy real estate through crypto, but like, that's still going to work its process. Like, you know, and I think that's the number one lesson that I can take away this year has taught me is like, some of these things need time to breathe because here's what happens, but, and I gotta, we gotta get out of here, but here's what happens by giving it time to breathe. Sometimes you allow people to show themselves who they really are. That's right. That's right, man. Oof. I don't want to interrupt with you know anything else besides that point. That was a good point to close on. Because I just had a deal that I took a bath on because I carried my reputation and had to put up the money. And because I let it take it run its course and I didn't press it, I know I will never do business with these people again. Mm. If I would have rushed it, we would have been deep in a deal and I would have lost hundreds of thousand dollars instead of a couple thousand. Mm. The time matters. It matters actually more 
then I think a lot of folks, particularly I think in entrepreneurship who are building their companies can unfortunately like financially allow themselves to get to, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that is one of those tough realities that I think a lot of folks, like when we were trying to build our bit, when I was building our business on nights and weekends, we took longer than I think I wanted to, because it was the hardest thing ever to do both, you know, to, to ramp up income from our business while also maintaining the day job was brutally crushing mm-hmm. in terms of tax on myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I mean, I went to full out burnout mode, but it was delayed uh, because I couldn't afford to quit. And then our business, thankfully, man, like it actually wasn't dire yeah. whatsoever. Like we, we were in a great fucking spot by the time that I quit because we had worked so hard and invested regularly for mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. But that process of leading up to it was absolutely brutal. And, and, and I think that uh, I bring that up because getting to the point of not being rushed is something you have time to prepare yourself for though. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was a bit heady for folks. So like, just to say it another way, like any person's in their individual circumstances and they've carved those circumstances, whether they like it or not, they've created those circumstances largely that they're in right now for the most part, not all of it. And, but they have a chance now from their starting point to accept that and then build a plan on whatever time horizon they need year, three years, five years, 15 mm-hmm. years. Like I gave myself a very long runway. So I didn't have to rush. And that was freaking hard. <laughs> it yeah. was really hard. And that was a while working as aggressively as I've ever worked in, in my entire life for years. Um, and so, you know, that was important. I think you're nailing a, an important concept, man. The bigger the decision, the slower it should generally go. And I think that frameworks can, frameworks can help speed some of that up. That was the thing I learned from people far smarter than I am. Um, yeah. Brilliant folks in the tech, the tech world who can't, who can't afford to wait that long. You know, yeah. they, they have to make big, heavy, scary decisions as fast as you can imagine, but they have to do them with rigor. And so, you know, we do try to operate based on those principles in our own business, even now, whether we're looking at a $40 million real estate deal and if it pencils in a competitive market, um, or if it's like, hey, let's just go invest a five or six digit number into a private real estate fund or like a mm-hmm. private niche, even weirder thing um, that's out yep. there. It, it just, you got to find your own framework. I love it. So if people want to find out about your company and how they invest, how would they do that? Yeah, uh, they can come to madisoninvesting.com. Um, that's our website and they can book some time with me. Um, we are only accepting accredited investors right now uh, just because I'm also registered with FINRA. Um, but I would say that I'm always happy to get on the phone and just talk shop on the market with folks. You know, this isn't like a call up and I'm going to pitch you a deal thing. This is an investment club. We do this because I, I don't onboard thousands of investors by design. Well, we want to welcome folks into the group that we feel like is a good alignment and, and want to invest alongside us. Love it. Guys, if you like this episode, send it out to your friends. We'll see you next time and uh, share it with somebody that'll get some value. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on -on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.